Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Proof is in the pudding, right? I like that saying. Yeah, I do like that saying too. <laughs> and I don't like pudding. Um, Unless it's chocolate self-sourcing or lemon delicious. Oh. Yeah, get off social media. Stop doing that comparison thing. Unless you're following us. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I want every cheese from the fancy cheese cabinet. <laughs> I'm not going to think twice. <laughs> I'd love to get to that point. Hello and welcome. This week we're talking about chronic disorganisation. We're going to chat about what chronic disorganisation actually is, how it affects our daily life and what we can do about it. But first, TikTok. Check us out on TikTok if you haven't already. Our videos are short and sharp and are resonating with a lot of viewers. So if you want to learn some quick tips to declutter and organize your home, check us out. It's just at Little Home Organized on TikTok. In fact, we just had a video go quite bananas on TikTok. I think it's like over 350,000 views within less than a week. It was wild. I mean, all those days of you practicing in front of the mirror with a hairbrush microphone have clearly been worth it. Oh, you mean like last year when I was doing that, not when I was a child, right? (laughs) Well, I wasn't placing a timeline on it, but sure. (laughs) If you want to admit that to the world, you go right ahead. Let's go for it. (laughs) All right. So today we're talking about chronic disorganization. What does that even mean? So I'm excited to talk about this topic because we've just recently had um, our annual organizing conference for IOPO, which is the Institute of Professional Organizers, which I'm a member of. In Australia. In Australia. Well, it's actually international. So we have members overseas in the UK and in Asia um, as well. So Oh, there you go. Yeah. Most uh, countries do have their own sort of kind of overarching So we're like Australasia then. Yeah. We used to have an industry body called AAPO or APO, which was the Australian Association of Professional Organisers. Um, but that one disbanded because it was volunteer run and the IOPO has kind of sprung up in its place in the last maybe three to four years. And we have a very thriving membership community and we had our virtual COVID safe annual conference very recently. And we had a full day that was devoted to talking about chronic disorganisation. And it was really exciting because I was actually asked to speak at the conference Part of what we've been doing over the last few years with the NDIS and the National Disability Insurance Scheme is we've been working with a lot of allied health professionals in case managing our clients together. So we'll work with occupational therapists or we'll work with a psychologist or even a physiotherapist to help clients that have got severe chronic disorganization or even hoarding disorder. And so an OT and I presented on that and how to work collaboratively, uh, which was really exciting. And we'll do an episode on that down the track because I think it's something that a lot of allied health professionals, once they get into working with a professional organizer and realizing how beneficial it is for the support and management of their clients, it's quite life-changing. So yeah, we'll talk about that down the track. But yeah, today's episode is all about chronic disorganization. So let's get into what chronic disorganization actually is. So the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. ICD uh, as it's commonly referred to. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. commonly in, in, it, the, in the I lay mean, lands. It's, it's such a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it la, is. la, 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 la. So they define it as, you know, if you're struggling with disorganization for a long period of time, 
if it's negatively affecting your day-to-day living, and thirdly, if your self-help attempts have been unsuccessful. It's interesting how many client homes we go to that have got some sort of decluttering or organising book or books on the shelves and they have read the books or they've tried to get the help before or they've tried to do it on their own and they're just not able to. We do tend to identify that clients do tend to fall into one of two categories, one being the chronically disorganised and that's the I've struggled with this my whole life. As a child, I struggled with being organised and then the second category is the temporarily disorganised, which we'll talk about in a moment. But first of all, I wanted to talk about why being chronically disorganised can be a problem. And the biggest thing for that is that it has this ripple effect. And clutter in general can have all these impacts and these outcomes on us, but being chronically disorganised can impact us in these ways, I guess, even more extremely. Bigger ripples. Yes, yes, bigger ripples, like you've thrown a boulder into the pond rather than just a little pebble. So the first way that chronic disorganisation can affect us is is that it can actually give us poor physical or mental health. And I think society is really starting to wake up to the impacts of clutter on people's mental health and depression and generalised anxiety and, you know, agoraphobia and all of these sort of kind of disorders that are coming out. And a lot of them, there is like an element of clutter that's kind of contributing to it. And, you know, that saying a tidy desk is a tidy mind, I think that it kind of resonates across our poor mental health when when we do have clutter around us and I know that I feel this I'm less likely to feel motivated and inspired to eat well to exercise to drink lots of water to get lots of sleep the clutter just it just kind of puts a dampener on all of that don't you think yeah I definitely don't walk into you know a cluttered space and think oh so relaxing (laughs) I just love it here yeah let's lie down have a massage put on some music you know just Don't mind me while I lie out on the uneven piles of nonsense I've left on my dining table for several days. That was me this week. I just was having like (laughs) such a like week of denial with my belongings, um, not putting them in their proper homes. But yeah, it just, it doesn't necessarily make us feel good. No, it really doesn't. And that then in turn can affect our relationships. And a choosy clutter report from a few years ago said one in nine couples who ended up divorcing said that clutter was a significant contributor to their relationship breakdown. And another stat in that report also said that 50% of us have argued with someone in our family. There is actually, yes, it's so true. And there is actually like quite a few studies out there that talk about clutter and how it affects your mental health. Mm. So much so, I actually did a um, TikTok video recently and it talked about a study that was from this year, 2021, which showed a strong relationship basically with a disorganized home and women's well-being. Ah. And it's just like the evidence just keeps coming out and coming out and coming out. Clutter is not good for our physical or mental health. No. And, you know, another study that I want to reference, just because this this stuff is so important, is UCLA did a home-based anthropological study um, probably about 15 years ago now, but it's it's really the only kind of study that's come out in the last kind of 50 years about the way we live. And it's called Life at Home in the 21st Century. They did a whole book on it. And they studied, I think, 30 or 33 families in LA. They measured like cortisol levels and they found that women's cortisol levels did not actually dip towards the end of the day, which they're supposed to. Men, they did, but with the women, their cortisol levels remained elevated throughout the whole day in the homes that were the most cluttered. And I thought that's really interesting because that, that is. directly relates to stress. So that is, that's a stat that's showing us that 
clutter actually does have a physical response in your body. It does make you more stressed. The proof is in the pudding, right? <laughs> I like that saying. Yeah, I do like that saying too. <laughs> and I don't like pudding. <laughs> um, Unless it's chocolate self-sourcing or lemon delicious. Oh, yes. yes. Sorry, there are exceptions. Yep. Whenever I think pudding, I think Christmas pudding. And I remember oh, no. going up to grandma and grandpa's house and them like, you know, doing the tradition where you hide the coin in it and me being like, <laughs> I'm only committed to this coin. I don't want to eat any of this fruit. That fruit this is, is not going anywhere near yuck. my gullet. Yeah. <laughs> But I will find that 20 cent piece yeah. and I'll get to keep it. <laughs> the things you do for money, hey? Oh, the, the you know, just reflecting on when you thought 20 cents was like amazing. Oh, well, you know, my six-year-old still thinks that 20 cents is amazing. Like a couple of times we've been at the park and he's found 10 or 20 cents and been like, Mom, look, I found 10 cents. And Oh, that's great, honey. We can put it in your, your, letter, uh, your letterbox, your money box. And it's funny because he lost another tooth in the last few days and I actually helped him pull it out, which I was really surprised about. This is the second one he's allowed me to help pull out and it's only because it, it gets to the point where it's so painful to keep it in mm. that he's like, oh, okay, like distract me. And so he plays, you know, a monster truck game on, on my phone while I'm pulling this tooth out. And so the tooth fairy visited and because the tooth fairy was very generous because there weren't a lot of options in her storage, <laughs> he got a $2 coin and he came in this morning and was like, mum, look, the tooth fairy's been and I got $2. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And he said, I've, I had $14.80 and I've got $2. So what's that all together? And I helped him work out the maths and, you know, he worked it out fine. But I just thought, how funny is it when you're a child and like that $14.80 is like so... That's big money. It is big money. And like you focus not only on the dollars, but on the cents. And when you're an adult, you're like, oh, I might have cash in my wallet. Oh, it might be 20 bucks. So it might be, you know, this, that or the other. But money is such a relative object depending on your age and your stage of life yeah and status and your status you know like imagine being in a position where you could go to the grocery store and not have to think about what you're spending Mm. be like oh I want every cheese from the fancy cheese cabinet (laughs) I'm not gonna think twice (laughs) I'd love to get to that point that would be really cool it depends whether the people living with the person who's spending all the money on the cheese are actually happy with that (laughs) (laughs) because I mean I love cheese but I definitely couldn't justify some of these you know $80 French cheeses that people can purchase oh my gosh something about cheese though yeah it is it it is is worth it it is my top three anyway back to chronic (laughs) Disorganization. Sorry for that tangent early. Um, So it also can impact on your relationships being chronically disorganized. Mm. As Bonnie was discussing with the choosy clutter report, like where it's causing arguments in your marriage. But you can imagine if you're someone who's living with someone who's chronically disorganized and you are not, the tension that's going to be there in your home. Mm. Yeah, there's a couple of books about messies versus cleanies, which is really funny. (laughs) And I mean, I think we all fall into both categories at certain times, but I definitely can think of, yeah, certain relationships and go, yeah, well, that person's more generally a cleanie and that person's more generally a messy. And if you're a messy who's lived with a cleanie for a long time, you might find you eventually become a bit more of a cleanie. Mm, like poor, my husband like has. Like my poor husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, I shared this on our Little Home Organised Community group on Facebook a few weeks ago. And if you're on Facebook, go check that out because um, there's a thriving community there. When we were unpacking, because we've moved recently, my husband was unpacking the spices and there's, you know, that typical cupboard right above the stove with the exhaust fan. And, and that's where the spices were in the old house and that's where they were going here. And so I just let him unpack them and I went to use cinnamon like a few days later and I came in and he had alphabetized the spices. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> I was like, what? 
I mean, and and like he had divided them as well into well, what he thought was herbs and spices. It wasn't a hundred percent accurate, but that was okay. Um, <laughs> but he had alphabetized each little section, and I was just like, oh wow, wow! Like this is the guy that when we were dating, I had to declutter and spring clean his room twice in the couple of years before we got married. Like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I think dirty. I came by at one point. Yeah, he's still he's still cranky at me for getting rid of a pair of shoes that had cobwebs and spiders living in them, and I was like, dude, like, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, <laughs> there was so much dust there. You were not wearing those. Oh my goodness, these poor men. I know. So um, another reason that chronic disorganization can be bad, of course, is it can affect your financial situation as well, especially um, if you're in a rental and you get booted because you're unable to keep the house up to the standard that the rental agency needs you to. Yeah, yeah, those home inspections um, can be really disheartening when you are chronically disorganised. And if you do have like a shopping addiction and you're constantly buying and accumulating things, then it can be hard to work out where to store them. And I find that when you've gotten so much stuff that a basic system kind of tends to get covered over and you can't really see what the foundational system was. So say for linen, you did have a system, there was towels, there was sheets and there was pillowcases. But then over time, you've added so much extra linen into the cupboard that now you just open it, shove it in and hope that the door will close. It's difficult to stop and get back to that kind of square one where you're back to that set of towels, the set of sheets and the set of pillowcases. Mm. When the problem becomes so big, it can be really hard to even know where to begin and how to navigate it. Of course, chronic disorganisation can become so bad and you can be so far along the spectrum per se that maybe you've actually got a bigger issue and you are someone with hoarding disorder. Yeah, and I mean hoarding disorder, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode and we've talked about it many times before on the podcast. So we're just going to touch on it briefly today. If you want to go into more detail, check out our episodes with Dr. Randy Frost or Lee and Beck Schuer about hoarding disorder there. But if you are someone who is very chronically disorganized and you do have that predisposition for accumulating. Yeah, it can. things can be so bad that you potentially may not have a roof over your head anymore. Yeah. And we see that like there was a really famous, it's still a famous case in um, Bondi Beach in Sydney uh, where there is a mother and two daughters who live outside in tunnels in their yard, um, tunnels of stuff, should I say, because the house is so full and they don't have, um, you know, power and water and whatnot. And that mm. that can be the extreme side of hoarding disorder. And that, and that's why it's, it's a mental health disorder. It's not just, oh, my aunt's a hoarder because she's got a huge amount of shoes. Nope, it's actually a mental health condition. So before we take a break and jump into temporary disorganisation, which I think a lot of our listeners are going to relate to, What can we do if we identify as chronically disorganised? Well, the first step is to actually become aware. So be empowered, learn about chronic disorganisation, learn how it presents in your life as well. Like what are the things that you do that are um, symptoms of chronic disorganisation and then you can actually make some kind of workarounds to circumnavigate them. Next, I would be saying reach out. So like ask your friends, family members, professionals for the help that you need. Yeah, absolutely. So reaching out can can be the, you know, asking a neighbour, it can be asking a family member to just sit with you and um, talk with you or it can be engaging a professional, like a professional organiser to help you start sorting through and decluttering all the piles. But reaching out is definitely the next step because um, we just can't do it alone. 
We can't. And I think having the support of a professional organiser because there's so much empathy that comes with a PO as well as the practical skill set can be really great for helping you feel progress Mm. and feel hopeful. So that's definitely something to consider. And with all areas, the big advice that you love to tell people, Bonnie, is of course start small, start simple. Yeah, just just start something something small whether it's okay today I'm going to focus on you know clearing my kitchen bench or I'm going to clear somewhere around the front door so that I can actually open the front door like just start with a small area that's going to have a big impact and kind of work your way over from there and probably the most important thing that I wanted to say if you are chronically disorganized is don't compare your journey with anybody else's don't look at Instagram or the home edit or Marie Kondo or anything like that and think, oh, I'm never going to get there. Uh, so why bother trying? Like we're all walking our own path. It's our own journey. So you've got to set your own personal goal and work towards that. And a step forward is still a step forward, regardless of how far you still have to go. Small steps can still lead to a big journey. Oof. Let's take a break after that. You've got mail. We have listener questions coming in left, right and centre and today's listener question comes to us from Matthew and Matthew is messaging us in from Brisbane. So Matthew says, hi guys, my wife runs a business from home for baby gifts. While she has a sorting and storage system, she tends to make quite a mess through the process of making. Any ideas about organising while working? So <gasps> sounds like he's dobbing his wife in. <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? And I can actually probably relate to your wife on this point, Matthew, because I am a really messy cook. I need the entire bench space cleared before I start because I spread everything out. Now, mind you, at the end, it's all cleaned up and orderly again. Mm. But during the process, I love just to be like able to kind of go with the flow. So I can appreciate that (laughs) she may be the same as well. But I can understand that when you're, things can get a bit messy, especially if you get interrupted halfway through. And if there's not a clear system in place, it can be really chaotic and hard to jump back into where you were up Mm. to and, you know, Mm. managing the chaos. Yeah, I think the most important thing here is to make sure that for this whole process, which is a bit of a factory line, make sure that there is actually a home for everything so that when you are finished, things can easily slot back into to where they need to go. Because the thing that we need to remember is that horizontal spaces need to be free for activity for us to be able to lay everything out and do what we need. And then we need to use our vertical spaces for our storage because that allows us to have those horizontal spaces free for that those activities like the cooking and the creating the baby gifts and things like that. Yeah. So I guess like think about it like you're going to have storage set up that's just for like all the pieces that come together to make the gift. Mm. Then you're going to have storage for the finished gift before she ships it, sells it, whatever she does with it. Mm. But then also if you're trying to keep that flat space workable, like that little workstation, like maybe thinking about having, adding some shelves maybe above her working space where she has like in work in progress stuff. Yep. Yep. Or is there room underneath the bench for hidden storage under there? So drawers or um, even those rolling storage that you can get, you know, on the caster wheels, you can get, actually Ikea's got this great table. It's a dining table and it folds down into, oh, I don't know, probably about that um, narrow. And it's got a bunch of drawers on either side, like maybe three to four drawers each side. And they're quite, you know, a decent size. But then on the sides, there's these two flaps that actually come up and it then turns into a dining table. So if you had something like that, that was basically like a rolling workstation Mm. and you could put all of your gift stuff in there, you could 
flatten out your bench space when you need to create things and then put your items back in those drawers when you're finished. So that that's something that wouldn't take up a, a lot of space but is a dedicated zone just for those baby gifts. So that's also an idea. The last thing I'm going to suggest with that is depending on how heavy and what the items are that you're using in creating, if you could potentially use like a shoe plastic hanger that hangs on like a back of a door, like you could have a hook on the back of your door, you could hang like something like that up where you've got like multiple pockets that hang all the way down and you could maybe keep supplies and things in there as well. So potentially that could help. But yeah, hopefully that's helped you out, Matthew. And if you're listening and you have a question as well, feel free to send it in. You just head to our Facebook page, Little Home Organised and send it through as a message. All right, and we're back talking about now temporary disorganisation. So what does it mean if I'm temporarily disorganised? So it's basically a situational disorganisation that something's happened to change a set of circumstances in life and you're not coping or you're overwhelmed just because of that change. Now, I'm a really good example of this at the moment because... You're an example of a lot of things at the moment, but go on. (laughs) I have kind of hit the mark on quite a few of these. So these might be illness... Someone's gotten sick, whether it's like a terminal illness, a chronic illness, or you've just had the flu or, you know, COVID or, or something like that. That can really throw things out when, to Yeah, work. when we're unwell, things fall to the wayside. Mm. Um, moving house, you've just done that. Yep. Just moved up, moved up the coast. So when we move, especially if we're not, maybe we don't have the time or mm. maybe we weren't mindful in the process of decluttering before and yeah, it can get really messy. Yeah. And I think I'm an example of even if you are quite minimal in your stuff, It can still be an absolute disaster on the other end, just that unpacking. Like we chose to move in the school holidays and we both have gone back to work straight away. So we, you know, one of us is working, one of us is taking care of the kids and it's on school holidays and the person who's at home taking care of the kids is trying to unpack a room or trying to, you know, fix a garden tap or like, you know, (laughs) it's just, yeah, it's, you've just got temporary disorganization all over it yeah it's it's just a bit of chaos at the moment it's what we do with that chaos right yes um of course a new baby yep or baby pending yep that's coming too in july yes thanks thanks very much yes (laughs) someone asked me the other day like oh when's bonnie due and i was like i have no idea july (laughs) i was like how do i not know that um divorce is another reason and oh my goodness can you imagine if this isn't personally you in this position think of a friend who is trying to navigate the emotions and the practicalities of divorce. Mm. Life gets chaotic or if they've suddenly, you know, split and moved out of the house and had to bring their stuff with them and so there's just stuff everywhere, they haven't had the opportunity to set up their systems yet, yep. they might look disorganised. But, again, it, it is more associated with the situational change. It's associated yeah, to be temporary. It's, it's temporary. temporary. And this fits in really well with this last point of trauma and death. You yeah. know, if there's been a really serious accident and someone's become chronically or terminally ill because of that accident or something that has resulted in a death in your family or in your friendship circle, then that can cause us to become really temporarily discombobulated and overwhelmed and cluttered because we're dealing with the emotion of that traumatic event but we're also trying to deal with the logistics and the practicality and especially if you're someone who's dealing with the death of a loved one but you're the executor of their estate which we will talk about in a couple of weeks in a deceased estate episode then you also have that lovely task of trying to deal with your emotions manage all the family members and do the logistics of actually wrapping up that estate it's a lot it's a lot so it's not going to be you know, it makes sense your house may be looking a little bit out of order. You know? Yeah, give, that, you, give yourself a break. That's okay. Yes, please be kind to yourself. And I think what's really important in the terminology that we're using here with chronic disorganisation versus temporary disorganisation, there's something powerful about shortening time. So temporary 
gives us that hope that this is for a period. There's yes. something to look forward to this beyond this. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. And I think what's important to identify is if you're someone who you acknowledge you're chronically disorganised, that doesn't mean you'll be that forever. Mm. You can seek the right appropriate help to help get on top of it, yep. build new habits, and before you know it, it could be a thing that you can then reflect on when you used to be chronically disorganised. So I do de- definitely want to reiterate mm. that it's not like this is what I am and it's all I will be. No. This is just where you're at right now. Yeah, and it could be something like uh, if you've got a diagnosis of ADHD or and you have to learn to manage it. Like right now I am learning to manage that I have gestational diabetes, which is super fun on top of everything else that I am dealing with. Um, but the biggest thing for me right now is accepting, yep, okay, I've got it, let's manage it. Let's not get caught up in the fact that woe is me, I can't believe that this has happened, but let's actually take some steps to manage it because this is a temporary thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be over in a few months, but I have to, yeah, manage it for right now. Yeah, less chocolate, sorry. <laughs> okay, so if you identify that with your life right now, you are feeling pretty disorganised, but you associate it as a temporary situation, what are some things you can do? Well, the steps actually remain the same whether you are chronically disorganised or you are temporarily disorganised. And the first one is to be aware. Learn about what's going on with you. Okay, let's stop and reflect. I am overwhelmed because I've just moved house. All right, I'm going to be kind to myself and give myself time and space to unpack slowly and to get things into place and not put that pressure on myself of you must have this room unpacked by this time and you must have this set in place so that you can properly settle into a new community or Mm. whatever it might be. Be aware and then be kind to yourself, and number reach, one. Yeah, and reach out. So reach out to family and friends. Let's say you've got a new baby. That's a very overwhelming time. There's a lot of things going on physically, mentally, emotionally. Reach out and say, hey, I need help. When you come around to visit and you want to cuddle bub, could you cuddle bub but then also help me with this thing? Yeah, and can you please bring me some food because food is life. Yeah, especially when you're breastfeeding. You, <laughs> serious, you eat a lot. Oh, my gosh. I had to have muesli bars in my bedside drawer mm. and people told me I would need to do that and I was like, I don't believe that for a second and yeah. I was like ravenous. Yeah, it's crazy actually. You're just producing you're so much milk. You're super, you just have super to keep, hungry. Yeah, you just have yeah. to get that, those calories in. The other thing with reaching out is not only reaching out to your community but reaching out to outsource to professionals. So if you've got a new baby or you've just moved house like we have, we normally do all our own gardening and lawn mowing but a man, a man actually dropped I past. Love, I love it's this. so funny. A man dropped past a few days ago ago and he said look I used to mow the lawns for the previous owner would you would you like me to mow yours and I thought this just shows how bad our lawn <laughs> really is because you know our house settled a month ago and we've only just moved the lawnmower up a week ago and so it's been like five weeks since this oh, lawn has it looks been like mowed a land. and there's been some hectic rain like when we moved in there was like a week of really it crazy torrential. rain it yeah. was yeah it was nuts it was floods and all sorts of stuff anyway so I thought yeah like the, it looks terrible and it was so lovely that he offered because we actually said yeah that would be really helpful because we can focus then on unpacking and getting things sorted inside you can take care of the lawn for us this once and that will be a really big help to us so Outsource reach, where you can. Yeah. Like reach out. Reach out. Reach out. Of course, start small. Start simple. Yeah. And uh, don't compare what's going on with you with anybody else. This is you are unique. This is your own unique journey. Just because someone else had a similar situation and handled it this way doesn't mean it's going to be the same situation for you. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Get off social media. Stop doing that comparison thing. Unless you're following us. Okay. So <laughs> yes, of course. we're all about progress, not perfection. That's so right. hopefully you should feel good after the stuff we post. Yeah. Especially when I put photos of maggots in my house. Did you? Last year. Yep. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it was just a really great example of even a tidy house can still have really gross little bugs in there. Yeah, even <laughs> even Bonnie is disgusting. <laughs> so, oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Oh, don't worry. We had a maggot problem for like uh, maybe like a month ago, where like every other week it was like maggots again, <laughs> and you just like see them crawling over the floor. Oh, and you think, they're so creepy. Oh, I'm trying peppermint oil and changing the bin nearly every day. Yeah, you have to. Hey, like Yuck. it's just you can't have meat in the bin. I think it doesn't work. I think half of our audience just tuned out. Mm, okay, sorry so <laughs> for the rest of you that stuck with us, thank you. We're going to now talk about what um, hoarding and squalor is very briefly. As we said, we've got some episodes on this, but just to distinguish it from what we've been talking about so far. So uh, in 2013, in the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual that came out, the version 5, uh, hoarding disorder was introduced for the first time on its own, not as an umbrella, un- not under the umbrella of OCD. And hoarding disorder basically states you have to fit the three these three categories. And the first one is you have to have an over-accumulation of stuff. Mm-hmm. The second one is you have to have difficulty discarding that items, mm-hmm. especially those that others may perceive as rubbish. And the third key trait is that it has to have a negative impact on your daily life. So it might mean that you've got a stovetop that you can't access because it's so cluttered or you've got a shower that you can't use because it's got stuff in it or, you know, things have broken down and you haven't been able to get tradies in to repair them because the access is not there or something like that. I think I remember Dr. Frost mentioning as well with like the overaccumulation of stuff is he was saying it pretty much has to be in nearly every room of the house if yeah. not all of them. Yeah. So it's generally not isolated just to like one space. No, no. It generally is something that does kind of take over the house unless you have a spouse or a family member who has control over a particular area and they don't let you in Don't there. let you overflow into there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which which is a really good strategy if you are living with someone who does have hoarding disorder is limiting, um, you know, creating public spaces and then limiting a few spaces where they can clutter it up and create a little clutter cave, um, but it doesn't impact the rest of the public communal spaces. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is um, squalor. And we'll talk really briefly about this, but squalor is basically referring to the environment that someone is living in. So the dictionary definition is that things are in a state of being extremely dirty and unpleasant, especially as a result of poverty or neglect. So pretty unhygienic. Pretty unhygienic, yeah. But what I don't really like about this definition is it doesn't really take into account any mental health conditions like hoarding disorder, people who are suffering from, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or, yeah, generalised anxiety or depression and things like that. So there are mental health issues that can cause squalor to become the environment that someone is living in and that needs to be taken into account. But it also needs to be something that, yeah, it's taken pretty seriously because sometimes you can find like a temporary squalor situation in in the case of like a client who had had a bunch of housemates who were um, very, very dirty and they left a whole lot of rubbish behind. And then, you know, an organiser went in and said, okay, like what stuff can go? And he basically said like, yeah, all of that stuff stuff can go. So someone who went in and thought, oh, it was a hoarding disorder job. Actually, it just turned out to be a squalor job. And once all that rubbish got picked up by, you know, rubbish removals company, the house was able to return to Mm. a a more clean state and and the squalor wasn't an issue anymore. Yeah. So similar to the other two kind of categories that we were talking about, we approach it in a similar way, right? Yeah. So the first step is always to get informed, you know, be aware, learn about hoarding disorder, learn about squalid environments, find out how your hoarding disorder might present. What are the 
what are the triggers? What are the things that you're doing? Um, and on that note of hoarding disorder, hoarding disorder is something where we highly recommend you are working with a professional. Absolutely. So for your mental health. Yeah. Um, because yep. it, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening for you. And so it's really important that you are reaching out to a professional psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, and then, of course, if you're able to engage with a professional organiser as well, that's a great plan for you. Yeah. So that's your second step, just like with the chronic and the temporary disorganisation, is to reach out and and, and talk to family and friends and engage professionals and outsource. There are also resources we should quickly mention. Mm. So Buried in Treasures workshops are really great and they're now offering online virtual workshops. And then, of course, our friend Lee over in the States, who we've spoken to on previous episodes along with his wife, Beck, he has now got a new program called The Oasis. and um, The Oasis Club. The yep. Oasis Club. Mm-hmm. And that that's virtual as well. So definitely there are two resources you can check out. Yeah, and there are a bunch of books as well that are really great for hoarding disorder. Um, books by Dr. Randy Frost. Buried in Treasures is another book as well. And then there's like Robin Zazio, The Hoarder in You. And yeah, there's, he- there's heaps of resources out there that are really good. If you are based in Australia, there is a um, Hoarding Home Solutions course as well, uh, some for family and friends, and there's also a course for um, professionals as well. So if you work with people with hoarding disorder, it's a really good course to sink your teeth into and learn all about it. And like anyone, start small, start simple, don't compare yourself to anyone else. It's just you on your journey. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now for today's tidy task, we're basically saying identify which of these categories you fall into. So are you feeling like you're chronically disorganised? Are you temporarily disorganised? Or is there some struggle going on with maybe hoarding disorder or a squalid environment? Or none of the above. Or none of the above. Um, But get aware, get informed about where you're at. Be kind to yourself, get educated. And then, yeah, reach out for help and start small. Start simple and walk your own path. And that's it for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed having us in your ears. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoy the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world.